Good morning, y'all. How's it going? Yeah, really? That, that good? <laughs> um, so I want to talk to you guys today about being called by the Lord, being called into mission with him, being called into something beautiful with him. Um, that's a really Christian-y thing to say. Hey, have you found your calling yet? Hey, what's your calling? Like, hey, have you figured that out yet? But um, what does that mean? Like, do we ever really wrestle with what does it mean to be called by God? It took a while for me to figure, like, hey, it might not be the way I think it is. See, what I used to think it was is find what you're good at, get as good as you can at that, and then take it to the Lord, and he'll judge whether he can use it or not. Does anybody relate to that? Like it's all on me? And listen, discovering your call is really important. I'm not trying to knock it. It is. But what I just described is not how you do it. Our calling has very little to do with our ability and everything to do with his, his love for us, our sonship, our daughtership. And that's the new way of thinking that the Lord showed me of like, hey, it's not about what you can do for me. It's about how much I love you. I call you son. I call you daughter. You're my kid. Um, and then he invites us into the work he's doing. So let's pray one more time and then we'll get into this. Lord, we love you. It's an, it's an honor to, to, to be here this morning, Lord, in your presence. Um, I ask that you would lead and guide us this morning, that you would show us what it is to be called into the life you're, you're leading us, Lord. Um, I pray that you would seal that truth in our heart and that, you know, we'd be forever changed um, after today, Lord, not by my good words, but by your good heart. God, do the work. In Jesus' name we pray. So the first part of discovering your call in your life, I think, is to recognize that you are called. <laughs> we got to start there. Everybody that has ever been created is called. I think that's true for believers and non-believers alike. They're called by God. They have this thing inside of them, this God-initiated desire to make a lasting impact on the world. You ask anybody, they have that. Um, and it was his idea. And he created you in a unique way with a unique gifting and a unique purpose. And he's asking you to, to use that. So we have to get that, that first. We are called, you are called into the mission with Jesus. Um, what's really sweet is when we say yes to Jesus, we get to do something really cool with that desire to change the world. We get to do something really awesome with that God idea he's placed in our heart. Um, and I think honestly, a lot of, you know, in the world, what we see where there's a lack of fulfillment for the, the unbeliever and the believer alike, honestly, but the unbeliever is they have that feeling, they have that desire, and there's nowhere to truly go with that. And they try, and a lot of really cool stuff happens. A lot of awesome stuff happens by unbelievers, and that's because they're made in the image of God anyway, and, and they go there. But I just don't think without Jesus and taking that desire to him, you ever really can be fulfilled in your life. And I think we wrestle with that a lot. Um, the Lord showed me that there's the kingdom of Jesus and the kingdom of self. And so this desire we have that God gave us, it is his idea. We can either 
take it to the kingdom of Jesus and he uses it and it's amazing and that's where we find fulfillment and joy and excitement and adventure or we use it for the kingdom of self. And that's where it can kind of get lost in the weeds. So a little bit of my story, I grew up in a home that was not a Christian home. Um, My dad thought Christians were silly um, and my mom she was a believer, but she was still very early on in the journey and it took a long time for her to really experience the, the freedom that comes uh, by knowing Jesus. So I, growing up, I didn't hear this idea of being called. I had no idea that was a, a thing. Um, what I thought I was called to was to be like the best electric guitarist that the world has ever seen. And listen, nailed it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and so if I take, listen, I can look back and go, hey, the Lord was doing something through my love of music and my love for the guitar and my love for that whole thing. But I spent a lot of years in the kingdom of self with that. A lot of years chasing my dream of being this great guitarist and traveling the world and doing all the stuff to make money and have a great life. And so that's just key to realize that when he puts that thing in your heart, you have to take it to the kingdom of Jesus. It has to lay at his feet. And as as Christians, we can still keep it in the kingdom of self. Like we are still guilty of doing that. I'm guilty of doing that. And so you have to be very aware of what your motivation is in your actions and that gift that God's given you. So um, I'm going to talk about us as believers and what we're called to today. And, And so what are we called to? It's pretty broad, right? Like that's a big question. And I think the Bible gives us some broad answers, um, like go into all the world, preach the gospel. I want to read John 15. This is uh, 5 and 16. I encourage you guys to read all of John 15. Jake has spent a lot of time there in the Abide series. Um, You guys thought we were done with the Abide series. I got news for you. Um, So John 15, 5 and 16. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide. That your fruit should abide. The NIV puts that fruit that will last. That's fruit that will have an eternal impact. That's kingdom fruit. Um, So the call in our lives broadly is to be fruitful. (laughs) That's pretty simple, right? Um, and there's two kind of fruits there in, in John 15. There is the much fruit. So we're called to have much fruit and we're called to have fruit that lasts, eternal fruit. Um, so how do, we, how do we get at that? How do we discover what that fruit is? How do we know how to do this? Well, I mean, the verse says abide. It's that simple. You have to abide to, to discover your call. Does everybody know what abide means? I know we say that word a lot. Do we, do we know what that means? It just means to sit, to stay, to camp out, to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. Um, and guys, that's the key to understanding God's call on your life. It, I could go home right now. Like, that's it. Um, John 15 says, abide in me and you will bear much fruit that lasts. We're not involved in that other than sitting at his feet <laughs> and staying in his presence and listening for his word. So that should give you some freedom this morning. Discovering your call is not about chasing God. It's about abiding. Um, When you make Jesus the most important thing in your life, he'll show you what your call is. 
when you highlight him and his kingship in your life, he'll show you. The Lord must do a work in you before he can do a work through you. It starts at the feet of Jesus. Guys, I'm gonna harp on it. It starts at the feet of Jesus. There is no substitute. I gotta be really honest with you guys. We do a lot of other things trying to figure out what our call is. We do a lot of other things trying to figure out what God's telling us to do. And we skip over this abiding completely. I encourage you guys to, to really wrestle with what abiding is. And, and I encourage you to do it. Start there. So after we, it, it just starts with abiding. And after we do that, the Lord gave me this picture of establishing roots. And I do have a cheesy pastor phrase for you to hold on to. And I expect somebody to make t-shirts. Um, it's called it's roots before fruit. <laughs> okay. Roots always come before fruit. Um, I want to talk to you guys about um, these giant sequoias. Um, Bill, do we have that picture, that, that big tree? That's a, that's a human right there. It's a small human, but it's a human. Um, these sequoias get up to, the largest one is over 300 feet. Gigantic. What's more impressive than what you see there, that's like not even, that's like one fourth of the tree. What's more impressive, guys, is the roots underneath. There's no way to get a picture of that. So the root systems for these guys are an acre for one tree, so way bigger than this room, to support that tree. And another cool thing about the root system, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this today, but each root system kind of intertwines with the other root system next to it. So a large part of your discovering your call is community. Those roots lock together and they support each other. Um, so the other thing I wanted to share about um, the sequoia trees is, hey, let's show that picture of that pine cone. That's a pine cone from, the, from that giant tree. It's like two or three inches long. So think about that, uh, an acre for its root system, 300 feet tall, some of them are 100 feet around, and the fruit that they bear is that. Guys, I know a pine cone is not a fruit. I did, I mean, I went through the Alabama public education system. <laughs> I just wanna make it known, don't eat a pine cone. It's not a fruit, but it is the way that they spread, spread seeds. So go with me here. So not very impressive when you look at the size of that tree, right? But what's cool is, as it relates to bearing much fruit, is, man, they produce about like hundreds of thousands of these things. And within those, there's hundreds of seeds. So that's the much fruit. I, I abide in him. He produces much fruit. And another really cool thing about these pine cones is um, they stay on the, on the tree for over 20 years before they fall. 20 years they're up there just hanging out. They stay green. They don't even dry. They, they stay green for 20 years. And so I just thought that was a really sweet picture of much fruit and fruit that lasts. And so it's, it's just, guys, it's all about where you plant yourself when we're talking about abiding and finding your call. It's all about where you, you place yourself with the Lord. Um, you know, when I, when I look back, man, it's been a long journey, y'all, for me, like in, in realizing this. And a lot of what I'm gonna share with you today is like, the reason, like I'm here because I've had to preach this to myself 10 million times. Um, and what I've learned 
and I'm still learning, trust me, I'm still learning. But what I've learned is that all this just has very little to do with me outside of my ability to submit to him and just lay at his feet. And I naturally do a lot of working and a lot of going and a lot of doing to try to, to make the tree grow to try to establish the root system myself, to try to produce fruit. And what he's calling us into is to just hang out by the river that he calls life and receive from him. So uh, I want to read Psalm 1 and 3, or sorry, Psalm 1, 3. Um, It says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Somebody say, amen. Does anybody want that? All that I do prospers? Yeah, I want that. So that sounds simple, right? Like we plant ourselves by the river and we prosper. We plant ourselves in the, in the streams and he, give us, he gives us what we desire. I got a question for you. Where's the stream? I know in my life, that's the issue. I know about the stream. I know about the river. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to see the water. I don't know how to put my feet in the water because I can't see it. And so I want to talk to you guys um, about some roadblocks, some things that get in our way of like really seeing and hearing the Lord um, call us. Um, I'm going to talk about comparison. I'm going to talk about control. And I'm going to talk about fear. Um, Comparison, it's a big one, guys. It's a big one. Um, It's human nature to look around and see how we stack up. We just do it without even thinking. Am I the only one? Okay. Um, we do it without even thinking. And what I've discovered in my life, guys, I'm, all, I'm just going to talk about my life because that's all I've got experience with. <laughs> in my life, this has been one of the absolutely quickest ways to discourage myself is by looking around and seeing what other people are doing, seeing how cool they are, or how eloquent they are. What you, you fill in the blank it will crush your ability to do what God is calling you to do. It will crush it. The truth is like after today, after I preach today, I'm going to go home and that thought's going to pop in my head. How'd I do compared to Jake? How'd I do compared to Steve? It's going to happen. Um, after leading worship, you know, I usually lead worship. I'm, I'm usually tempted to com- compare myself. Let me say this. I usually stand right there um, next to, this beautiful woman who has the voice of an angel. Um, And for a long time, I would stand here hoping and praying that that I could have a voice like her. Sounds kind of ridiculous. She's a female and... (laughs) Listen, guys, let me be really clear. I could take voice lessons until the day I die. I am never going to sound like Crystal, right? But I can get locked up. I can say, I'm called to be a good singer. I'm called to be a good guitar player. I'm called to blah, blah, blah. When I got it into my thick skull and into my heart that I'm called to lead people in worship and it has nothing to do with this, it changed everything. And I'm still on a journey to receiving that every day. But comparison will crush your ability to do the thing that that God's telling you to do in your life. Um, Romans 8 five and six. Um, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, 
but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Anybody want life and peace? Does anybody want death? I don't think we do. So what the comparison is taking on the mind of flesh. And guys, it's like the enemy's playground. Like it's our pride's playground. Like call it whatever you will, it's dangerous. And if I can be distracted enough by what other people think and how I measure up and fill in the blank, there's no room for me to hear well done from God. There's no room for me to hear that, hey, no, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. Yeah, you messed it up. I don't care. (laughs) You obeyed. And so we just have to deal with this idea of comparison. And I don't know how that works for you guys, but for me, it's usually attached. Like I'll see somebody doing something that I want to be good at or something that I am doing that they're better at. And um, I just lock onto that. And it becomes the biggest thought in my head of like, I can't do that. They're better. I have to be the best or I can't do it. Um, And so what I want to say to you this morning is the truth is we've all been given much. God has put something in your heart that is so awesome. God created you in the exact way he wanted to create you. And you have unending value and worth to him. And so when we say that about ourselves, when we say they're better than us, they're more talented than us, we are literally devaluing something that Jesus has assigned an amazing amount of worth to. Amazing amount. I mean, he went to the cross and stuff for that. Can we let that sink in a little bit? Like, don't devalue what, the God, what God has put in your heart. Don't devalue who he's made you to be. What did Mr. Rogers say? I can't believe I'm going there. <laughs> You're a very special person and there's no one like you. He made, whatever, something like that. Watch Mr. Rogers if you want to. The point being, he made you in a unique way with a unique purpose and it's beautiful. And there's... <laughs> So how do we deal with comparison? Guys, we abide. It's like I talked about before. We hear the Father saying how valued you are, how loved you are. And and guys, we don't look to the side. We keep our eyes focused on him and locked in onto what he's telling us. You know, in Genesis, Jake, you actually referenced this, Genesis 1, 27, um, it says we're made in his image. Do we need to know anything else? The creator of the universe said, I'm going to make you like me. That's how much I love you. That's how much I want you to do the things I'm calling you to do. That's how much I care for you. Psalm 139 talks about being fearfully and wonderfully made. Even in your mother's womb, I knew I had a plan for you. And I put you all together the exact way I wanted you to accomplish that. Um, So that's how we deal with, with comparison. We abide and we focus on what he says about us. We focus on the Father's heart toward us. Okay, so that was, that was comparison. Let's talk about control. Any control freaks in here? Anybody who didn't raise their hand is lying. Um, to me, control sounds a lot like this. Hey, God, I'll do that thing you're telling me to do. If you do this, I'll do that thing if it looks like this. I'll do that thing if you make me better at it. That's not what we're invited into. We attach conditions to the thing that the Lord's calling us to do because we like that idea of thinking we're in control. (laughs) Guys, we're not in control. why Why do we want to control? 
Do y'all ever wrestle with that? Like it's such a natural reaction for me to want to control things. We don't trust God. We doubt his trustworthiness. It goes back to the garden, guys. We think he's lying to us. We think he's withholding good things from us. So we feel the need to make stuff happen for ourselves. You might call control pride. I didn't say that. You might say that. <laughs> Let's read Genesis 3, 1, and 5, 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now listen here. But the serpent said to the woman, you won't die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. God's lying to you and he's withholding good from you. It's a lie out of the pit of hell. And we believe it. I believe it every day of my life. So what we're being invited into is, is trusting him more and relying on him more. And so I asked the Lord, like, Lord, give me some context of how that relates to today. Because I don't think a snake is going to come tempt you to eat some fruit. I, if he does, that's, I mean, let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> but, the, but God gave me something. Like, I asked him to show me, Lord, how do we do this in our culture today? And he gave me this word, certainty. We like to know that if I do this thing and then I do this thing, I'm going to get that thing. That's my Alabama redneck translation. Guys, that's not how the kingdom works. I thought it did. I tried real hard. I thought it did. That's not how the kingdom works. We've been taught and we've just believed on our own that if we follow Jesus, everything's going to work out exactly how we want. That is not my experience, y'all. That is not my experience and that is not biblical. I don't want to like stay too long on this, but like guys, the Bible is full of people who when they followed Jesus, it ended bad for them. It ended bad for them. So what do we do? Um, here's the deal. We, we follow a God of mystery, follow a God of mystery while living in a culture that worships certainty. Say that one more time. Our goal is to follow a God of mystery while living in a culture that worships certainty. If certainty means more to me than Jesus does, I can't really follow him. I can't really follow him. We have to remember it's an upside down kingdom. The things of this world don't make sense in the kingdom. The kingdom doesn't make sense to the things of this world. Solution again is to abide. We have to abide in him. And part of abiding is knowing him. We have to know the king so we can trust him. You can't trust somebody you don't know, guys. It's not possible. Charles Spurgeon says this, God is too good to be unkind and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trace his heart. So even when you can't see what he's up to, when you can abide and you can know him, you can trust him because you can trust his heart because you know his heart. Got another quote here. <clears throat> the kingdom always benefits 
from welcoming the king to truly sit on the throne and rule and reign as he pleases. We don't need to be certain of his plans because we can be certain of his character. That quote is from Crystal Hawkins sitting in the front row. Guys, I texted her what I was talking about. This comes back on my phone. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely stealing that. Um, So guys, we have to know him. We have to know him so we can trust him so that we can hear him saying, go do this thing. And then we can trust that it's his will and that it's going to be okay. So that's, that's control. We talked about comparison. Now we're going to talk about fear. This is, I mean, they're all big guys, but this fear thing wraps up a lot. A lot of stuff is housed in the fear category. I want to handle this really sensitively because for me, I was taught for a long time. I don't know if I was taught. I believe this for a long time. I'll take the responsibility for it. That I'm not allowed to be afraid. If you're a Christian, if you know Jesus, fear not, right? Anybody else like heard that? I don't think that's true. (laughs) Now, yes, fear not is in the Bible a lot. I think it's what we do with the fear that matters. So what I want to say to you is it's okay to be afraid. What are you going to do with that fear? When the Lord is calling you into something, you go, I'm scared. What do you do with that? Do you let it keep you from doing the thing? Fear cannot, fear cannot be the loudest head in your voice. Fear cannot, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That it can't be the loudest thing you hear in your ears. Um, And we can't let fear make decisions for us. That's where it becomes wrong. That's where it becomes, oh, maybe I'm giving too much of that. So I I want to release you guys and give some freedom. Like, it's okay to feel afraid. That's not a sin. I mean, there's some things you should be afraid of, like mountain lions and great white sharks and stuff. Like, whatever. Um, Where am I going with this? Oh, my gosh. Um, Lord, have mercy on me. Um, so here's what I want to say. We can, we can camp out in the zone of fear for a couple nights. This is how the Lord showed this to me, for a couple nights. What we can't do is we can't stay. We can't stay. When you're afraid, it's okay to let that sit a little bit and take it to the Lord. We just can't stay there. And guys, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the humanity of Jesus as our example. Jesus in the garden scared to death, scared to death. It's okay to be scared, but what did he do with the fear? He surrendered to God. He surrendered to the father and we're here today because of it. We're in the kingdom today because of it. I think fear might be the biggest roadblock for me personally. I I don't think it'd be a stretch to say that's most people and the people I know and I've talked to. um, What are we scared of? What is it that we're scared of? You guys tell me, what are we scared of? Men more than God. Failure. Amen. Rejection. Yeah. It's all those things. We're scared we don't have what it takes. We're scared we don't measure up. We're scared we're going to fail. We're going to, I say this all the time. I wonder if I broke church on Sunday. (laughs) Let me tell you, you don't have the ability to break church. I do. You don't. Um, (laughs) So 
this is a funny story about when I was getting ready to, to preach. Like there was a, a couple weeks that I was wrestling with whether I wanted to do it or not. Months ago, I told Jake, like, hey, I think this is something the Lord wants me to do. I sent him an email because I didn't want to have a face-to-face. Um, it was right before I left for vacation, too. I was like, man, he's going to forget. It's going to be awesome. Um, because I really felt like the Lord was stirring me, like, hey, I want, this is something I want you to step into. And so I, I emailed him. This was six months ago, maybe. I mean, it was a while ago. And, you know, time goes on. I'm not hearing anything. Then he's getting ready to wrap up this Abide series. He goes, hey, there's a transition week. You want to do it? I'm like, no. But I sat with that. I prayed over it. I said, okay, I think, I think the Lord wants me to do it. So I had lunch with Jake maybe the next week. And I was like, man, Jake, I really feel like I'm supposed to do it. I'm just, I'm scared. I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. And the beautiful pastor that Jake is goes, hey, well, it's easy, man. Like, just recognize that it's probably going to be terrible. <laughs> Paraphrasing a little bit, maybe. I don't think I said the word no, it's probably not going to be that good. Okay, I think, I yeah, I think that's what you said. What I heard was, hey, it's going to be terrible. Pressure's off. <laughs> yeah, Jake said, hey, man, just don't worry. It's probably, your first time's probably not going to be that good. Guys, that sounds silly. And yes, it's funny. Laugh away. But it's key, guys. To deal with fear, we have to embrace our weakness. We have to go, yep, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Does everybody, that just rolls off the tongue really well. Man, I'm, I'm not good enough. I can't do this on my own. That's not stuff we like to say to ourselves. Um, so how, how do we embrace our weakness, guys? We have to embrace our weakness to deal with fear, especially the fear of failure when he's calling us into doing something that, we're, that is out of our depth. We abide in him. That's going to be the answer every time, guys. We abide in him. When we embrace our weakness, we also embrace his strength. It's the same decision, okay? When we embrace our weakness, we embrace his strength. He's saying to us, I don't want them impressed with you. I want them impressed with me. And when we get that into our hearts, the pressure's off to measure up. Apart from me, you can do nothing also means that with me, you can do anything that I'm calling you to do. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but in me, you can do all things. Even the weird, out of your league, out of your comfort zone stuff. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. It's Paul saying, hey guys, this is hard. Didn't want you to miss that. <laughs> it's hard. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. I'm scared to death. I'm out of my league. I don't think we measure up. I don't think we can do this. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He uses our weakness so he can be glorified, guys. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise. Sorry, this is 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you are wise according to the worldly standards. 
Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We have to embrace our weakness. We have to say to the Lord, I can't do it. <laughs> it's okay. I know we're American. I know. It's hard to say. I know. It's hard for me to say. I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. Guys, this is reckless love. This is the reckless love of God that we just sang about. God's love is not careless. That's not what we're singing. His love is not unintentional. His love is foolish to the world. It's reckless to the world because he takes a chance on us. He takes a chance on us. We have to embrace our weakness. Um, it's our heritage. Hebrews 11, full of people. I, I, went, I was gonna use a couple of examples. There's way too many. Men and women who, it wasn't about their ability to complete a task. It was their ability to abide and obey hear from the Lord and do what he says. God is way more interested in our obedience than he is our performance. He's after our heart. Here's the deal, guys. When we, as imperfect, unqualified, weak, and broken people, follow the call on our lives, the king is glorified and the kingdom is satisfied. God gets the glory and his will on earth gets done. The king is glorified and the kingdom is satisfied. God gets the glory and his will on earth gets done. So, all that said, those are the three major roadblocks that the Lord gave me. What, what do we... What do, what do we do with all that? Yes, I've said abide like 10,000 times, but here's what we have to do. We have to recognize that we are being invited into something. We are not being given a list of tasks to accomplish. We're being invited into a call. Um, me and Crystal a few weeks ago went to this, this worship retreat called The Rest Retreat, which was awesome. Um, what some of you guys may not know is in the midst of going to that, I was really, I was really wrestling with the call in my life. Really wrestling if, am I enough to do this? Um, am I enough to do this? Am I enough to pastor people? Do I have what it takes? Um, and I, I said to Crystal, like, I just, I would rather go work at Home Depot. Like, this is a lot of pressure. I'd really just rather go work at Home Depot. And um, so that's the atmosphere in which I went to the rest retreat. And what the rest retreat was, was it was like 160 worship leaders from across the world, really, um, all coming to rest together, all coming in community together. And um, there was many, many worship leaders that I look up to in that, in that group. And in the midst of struggling with my call, Paul Balash, who wrote, I mean, I can't even count the, the songs he's, he's written, 
he's been doing it for 35 years probably. And he got up there at the end of one of the worship services and said, he wanted to speak to us worship pastors and go, hey, he raised his hand and said, I still compare myself. He's sitting in a room in a circle leading worship with people like, I don't even want to say their names, just really amazing, voc- really amazing vocalists and really amazing, talented, gifted worship leaders. And this is a guy who's like the father of modern worship going, it is still a struggle for me every day to decide not to compare myself. And I'm, I'm bringing it back to comparison because that's my biggest issue. That's my biggest issue in my life. And so with that, I, felt, I heard the Lord saying, okay, I'm going I'm, I'm to fix that comparison thing. When he said that, I was like, I heard the Lord going, I want to change that. I want to give you healing. So I went back to my bunk at some point and like was really like, okay, I think the Lord's really going to deal with that. Cool. I don't remember the timing, but there was like an afternoon session or something at some point before this really got dealt with. And there was this guy, he wasn't really preaching. He told a story about Jesus. And then he asked us all a question. And he said, we're going to sit here for 30 minutes in the quiet, and you're going to write down your answer to this question. I'm like, automatically super uncomfortable. <laughs> automatically. Oh, man. And, and I mean, 30 minutes is a long time for, for me to sit there by myself, <laughs> not making any noise or any sound or anything. And the question seemed totally unrelated. The question he asked us to answer was, what do you, we're asking the father this, we're asking God this. What do you want me to know in my life right now? Simple, right? Can I read you what the Lord gave me? Remember, I am struggling with what I'm called to do. I'm struggling with whether I want to do it anymore. And this is how he answered me. I want you to know that you're loved and I'm pleased with you. You don't have to perform for me or for others. Your worth is not in how you can perform, but in who I've made you to be. And who I've made you to be is an unchangeable fact. I call you son. Yeah, you're on a journey to be more and more like the you I made you to be every day. But I see the whole picture and I'm pleased with you. There is nothing you can do to change your position as my son. There are things I'm calling you into, the deep waters of my will for your life. These things will lead to a more fulfilled life, a joyful and humble heart, and a blessed assurance of who I've made you to be. But these deeper waters do not deepen my love for you. I can't love you any more than I already do. The deeper waters are for you, and they change the depth in which you can see all the love I have for you. I want you to dive in head first and let me embrace you. I want you to know that you're mine. You are constantly wondering if you measure up, always looking for ways to prove your worth to me and to those around you. I proved your worth on the cross. There is nothing left to prove. You are my prized creation. Dive in. The invitation into the deep waters is not a command to perform. It's an invitation into obedience and rest. It's an invitation to bring who you are into alignment with who he's called you to be. It's an invitation to abide in and rely on Jesus. Could there be a better answer to the guy that's wrestling with like, am I cut out for this? Am I doing the right thing? Guys, this leveled me. This floored me. It took me out. And what I want to say to you is he will say, he will give you an answer. He'll give you an answer. When we abide with him, when we quiet ourselves, when we get in the room alone with him, like Jake said, we're not actually alone. 
Abiding is being only with him. When we do that, he will answer you. I promise. I promise he will. There's a place we can go with the Lord where we leave all those things we're scared of, all those people we're compared to, and all the stuff, all the baggage. We go there, we take it to him. And you know what he says? Oh, my son's here. He doesn't say, hey, we need to deal with that. He says, oh, my son's here. Oh, you got a big mess. I can work with that. I have the picture of the, the potter making the vessel and how, man, if you're, that, if you're that pot, you don't know what the heck's going on, right? Like he's misshaping me. He's, he's, he's squeezing me. He's doing weird things. Like it hurts. This is weird and awkward. He, he's calling you son. He's saying, bring that stuff to me and I'll deal with it. I'll turn you into the vessel. You don't have to. I'll deal with it. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should, be, we should be called children of God, and so we are. Because he called you one, you are one. It's a fact. When we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to, to being a son and daughter to the Most High King. It's just a fact. Your true calling is to be a son or a daughter. That's what I want y'all to hear this morning. We can chase a whole bunch of other stuff trying to figure it out. What you're called to and your purpose is to be a son and a daughter of the king. In these deep waters of, of God's will, he really highlighted that passage to me when I, of what I was reading. It's just an invitation to join the father in what he's already doing. And listen, he has made you in a specific way and given you very specific ways he wants you to do this. I'm not negating that. But far too often we get down into the task and what the thing we need to do and the thing we need to chase and the school we need to go to and the blah, blah, blah. When he's just saying, I call you son. I call you son. I'll show you the rest. We get it backwards. Let him call you son. Let him call you daughter. Jesus in John five nineteen, So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. So even to go further back for me personally on like timeline here, there was a season that I think many of you are aware of that I was, I was wrestling with some depression and the biggest thing in my way of experiencing freedom from that was realizing my sonship. There was a lot of other ways and a lot of ways I was triggered into depression or triggered into whatever the thing was. When I dealt with my sonship, that's when I got freedom. When I dealt with the fact that I'm, I'm a child of God, that's when I got freedom. And guys, I, I am, I don't want to like put a bushel on the light of the Lord, like the song says, like I am walking in some freedom now. I don't want to apologize for that. And I, I want to say that because you can too. You can too. It's there for you. Um, so I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I'm walking in some serious freedom now. Yes, I still have thoughts that I don't like thinking. I think I've found a way to take him to the, to the throne room. <laughs> um, so the, in the deep end, I'm just going to go through some of the stuff, the way the Lord answered me. There's some stuff there that I'd like to highlight and then we're going to get out of here. Um, so one of the things he said to me was, it'll lead to a more fulfilled life. The deep waters of my will will lead to a more fulfilled life. I also heard him saying, like, get out of the shallow end. Like, imagine my, like, 6'2 self. 
picture the cove. Everybody's probably been to the cove where the, where the beach is. And imagine me in like six inches of water swimming. <laughs> go ahead, let your brain go there. It's hilarious. Why would you do that? <laughs> get, out of this, get out of the shallow end. And so a lot of times <laughs> somebody might come over and go, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm swimming, bro. It's terrible. <laughs> And that, I just pictured Jake doing this or something. Jake's going to be like, hey, bro, you're not swimming. You're digging a hole. (laughs) That's not swimming. So for me, what that looked like was, yes, I want to be this crazy, awesome electric guitarist. And guys, I got to be honest. I got to travel the world. I got to do that. And it meant nothing to me. I was completely unsatisfied. When I heard the father say, I'm not calling you that, I'm using it, I'm using that. It is from me. I'm calling you to lead others in worship. That was the deep end for me. That was the deep will of, of God's will for my life. And it changed everything. Guys, I've never been more fulfilled in my life than I am right now. Like, and I hope to get more and more fulfilled each day. And like, so leading worship with you guys I just want to say this, like, it's an honor. And like me and Crystal have been a lot of places and done a lot of things and like doesn't hold a candle to being in the will of God. Okay. I want y'all to know that. Another thing in that, in that answer he gave me was there's nothing left to prove. I proved your worth on the cross. A lot of what we do when we're wrestling with what are we called to do is trying to prove ourselves. We're trying to prove ourselves worthy to God and worthy to the people around us. Can't do it anymore. That was a big thing for me, trying to to make sure everybody knew that I was a leader. You got to know I'm a leader so that I can lead you. That's that's not the kingdom. The last thing he was telling me is um, obey and then rest. Do what he tells you to do and trust him with the results. The, the way I ended up here in, in leading worship and even preaching today was not that I got some huge vision of like, you will lead worship. It wasn't that. I said yes to Jesus one day at a time. And a lot of times I said no, so it took a lot longer, <laughs> right? Like we don't always, I'm not trying to say I said yes every day, but like every day that I did say yes, I got a step closer to what he's been calling me into. So, um, do what he says and rest in the result. Um, Psalm 1, 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Guys, you remember the, the verse we read about the tree being planted by the water? This is the two verses before it. It's about obedience. It's not about what you can do. It's not about how you can perform. It's are you willing to say yes? So I I just want to close with telling you guys, this whole thing is a process. You could feel a lot of pressure to walk out of here today and say, oh, I got to abide. I got to get rid of comparison and control and fear. It's not, it's not how it works. One day at a time. Um, We're being called into those deep waters day by day moment by moment. And I got to tell you, Jesus is not in a rush with you. He's not in a rush. Um, The journey into the deep is not an easy one. It's not comfortable always, 
but it leads to a life that's far beyond what you can imagine. Where we're in the deep water, we have to rely on him. We have to reach for his hand. See, he's not a father that takes us to the deep water and drops us and leaves us. He takes you to the deep water and he hangs out with you there. Um, So it's not always easy, not always comfortable, always worth it. Always worth it to chase the thing. I don't even want to say chase. Always worth it to get involved with the thing that the Lord's wanting you to get involved with. Meeting him where he's already working. Um, Guys, it's the culmination of all this is like, that's the only way the gospel spreads. The other big call we have is like, go into the world and spread and, and tell everybody about Jesus, basically. This is the only way it happens. So you remember the sequoias I was telling you about earlier? Um, if you already forgot, then that's a problem. Um, <laughs> sequoias, um, you guys want to guess the only way those pine cones actually fall? Uh-uh. This blew me away. Fire. Fire. The only way the pine cones from the tree fall is by forest fires. It prepares the soil to receive the seed and it dries the pine cone to a point to where it can fall. Without fire, we don't get more sequoias. That's what I want y'all to see. Without digging through the muck and getting through the thing, the gospel doesn't spread. Disciples don't get made. That's what we're called to, guys. That's it. When we abide in him, we take all our fears and anxiety to him, we give up control and we just follow him into the deep and then we obey and rest, we realize that we don't have to look for God's call in our life. It, it, it finds us. His, his, his call will find you. He establishes the roots. He grows the tree. He produces the fruit. We abide, obey, and rest. You are called. Each and every one of you are called. Your calling is to follow him, to love him and to love those around you, serve those around you. Before you can embrace your calling, you've got to embrace Jesus. You've got to let him embrace you. So abide in him. Sit with him. Ask him the specifics. He'll give them to you. Then obey him. And then rest in knowing he does the work. Lord Jesus, we love you. I pray that um, we would learn what it is to abide, that we would follow you, Lord, um, into the deep waters that you have for us. I pray that you would be the one to deal with our fear, our comparison, and our control, Lord, that when we bring that stuff to you, it is dealt with. God, I thank you that this is a process and we don't have to somehow make this happen for ourselves. God, I thank you that you establish the roots and you grow the tree and you produce the fruit. And we just get to abide, obey, and rest in who you are and who you call us, sons and daughters. Lord Jesus, make that true in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.